This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. Back at it Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Samantha Borers here. Tyler Mooney taking a break from dancing on the graves of Brooklyn Nuts fans to join us today. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, I'm not a basketball fan, but this makes me ir- ir- irrationally happy uh, that that is over. Super Bowl week and a whole lot to get to in the NHL. How are we doing, Ty? I'm doing well, yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm like the biggest Sixers fan ever, but when the Sixers are doing well, the city of Philadelphia is doing well, and that makes me happy. And I'm more happy about anything that we finally got the, the the cancer the locker room cancer that Ben Simmons is out of Philadelphia and best thing of all we stand in Brooklyn we sent him right up here to where I am so I, I I could not be more excited right now glad glad to hear it there was um there was so much happening today in sports and we were texting back and forth about it but between Rob Manfred saying that spring training isn't going to get postponed even though it's 72 hours away and James Harden leaving Brooklyn for Philadelphia. Dave Tippett just randomly got fired this morning. Um, just completely out of the blue. Uh, kind of knew this was going to come. They started 16 and seven. They've dropped, I think it's 22 or 17 of the last 22 games, something along those lines. Been really terrible, Samantha. And I mean, time to go for him. Fifth co- or fourth coach in seven years, 12th coach in 11 years for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Absolutely absurd what's going on up in Edmonton. Oh my God. I know. I mean, as if the Oilers couldn't be going through it any more than they already are, or at least in my opinion, couldn't get any worse. First, they signed Evander Kane, right? Arguably the most hated player, not even arguably the most hated player in the NHL right now. And now their coach is gone. And I'm just like, oh God, can it get worse for them? I don't know. I was shocked. I know you texted the two of us today and you were like, I'm watching this press conference and now Tibbet's gone. I wasn't expecting it. I don't think anyone was expecting it. So just adding on to the shock of today. I love it though. I think it keeps it interesting, but yeah, I mean, Hopefully a fresh start for them. They lost 11 of 13 in January. They started out strong, like you said, and now they're in the middle of what, like a five game losing streak. So hopefully uh, Jay Woodcroft, the AHL affiliate coach now stepping up to be the new Oilers coach. Hopefully he can fix whatever's going on there because they're not looking too hot right now. Yeah, that Ryan Nugent Hopkins stat, I saw that earlier. That's like insane to think about. And I know he, he was picked as a, as, a, as a very high pick and Number maybe one. hasn't. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He was number one. So maybe hasn't, you know, fulfilled the, the expectations of a number one overall pick, but when you take that into consideration, he's had a pretty nice career considering he's had 11 different coaches in 12 years. Okay. I, you'd be hard pressed to find a player in any, and he's, and he's been on the same team the whole time. That's, that's the crazy <laughs> thing about it. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like Dave Tibbet kind of got the short end of the stick with this one. I mean, we talked about it pretty extensively throughout the off season and, especially in the last month or so when the Oilers or two months at this point now and the Oilers have really fallen off that this isn't really the, the most well-constructed of rosters. And when they got off to that amazing start, you know, it might've been a little better than they really were. And they, they've come down to earth now, but he went 95, 62 and 14 in three, three ish seasons in Edmonton. And I mean, granted they do have the two best players in the world at the moment, but if you look at the rest of that roster, I mean, that, that's a pretty good record considering what that team has been built. And I mean, they made the playoffs the last two years. Granted, they lost in the first round both years. So the playoff success hasn't been there, but I don't know. I mean, obviously they, they lost 4-1 to Chicago last night, which was probably the, 
the straw that broke the camel's back with this one. But um, I don't know. I, I really, I'm kind of with Sam. I was not necessarily expecting it this much. I would have thought, you know, they, they had obviously the really bad stretch in late December, early January. They lost to both the Rangers and the Islanders. But they've been playing a little bit better, better of late. I think they they won on like a three or four game winning streak right before the All Star break, and they they've lost a couple coming out of the All Star break. But I w- I just thought it was a very interesting timed fire. I wasn't necessarily expecting it, and I don't think if if you want to place the blame of what's gone wrong with the Edmonton Oilers, I, I don't think Dave Tippett is the number one person to blame in this. I think it goes higher than that. I think it's more of a management issue. Right, of course, but it's him, Holland, who's making this decision. Ken Holland's trying to save his job. Yeah, he's yes. a Hockey Hall of Famer. Yeah, he has multiple Stanley Cup rings. Uh, but the last decade in both Detroit and now in Edmonton has been an absolute disaster um, for Ken Holland. He got himself fired in Detroit. He had that job emeritus if he wanted it um, and got himself fired. And he's just about to do the same probably in Edmonton. I think personally that – with a Simeon Varlamov, Mark andre Fleury type on this team, they can make a push at that eight spot in the Western Conference. Um, I don't know that changing out Dave Tippett for the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors does one or the other um, in terms of push them down or lift them up. I think it's kind of a minimal move. And the moves that need to be made by Ken Holland are on March 21st when it's time for Simeon Varlamov to go to Edmonton or Mark andre Fleury or one of the Columbus goalies, or, you know, there's a couple different options. Um, obviously Varlamov is the one that I'm pushing because I think the Oilers are going to overpay for whoever it is. But um, I, I do think that that's more of the issue. I, I agree with what you said there, Tyler. And yeah, it's, it's been a tough go for Edmonton and the, the first game uh, for this new coach will be uh, tomorrow against the New York Islanders. So Simon Varlamov maybe gets a little sneak peek at his future home, hopefully, maybe <laughs> um, that would certainly be nice. And, this came on the heels of Dominic Ducharme getting fired. Uh, thank you both for liking my tweet. All takes exposed to not listen to me. When Jeff Gordon took the job as president or vice president of hockey operations in Montreal, he said that Dominic Ducharme would be the coach for the rest of the season because you want to be as bad as possible at this point. Um, there's good players in this draft. And, yeah, Connor Bedard's next year, but Shane Wright is this year. And If they can get one of those two guys in the door, both Canadian guys, so I don't remember his name. It'll come to me. Back on track here. Dominic Ducharme got fired. He has, there's eight. They have eight wins. Thank you. Yes. So let's let's bring it back. <laughs> they have eight wins and seven overtime losses, which is a pretty funny stat. I want those to end up equal. I think that would be pretty good. Um, but Sam, in my opinion, this makes no sense because you just want to lose. If you're Kent Hughes, if you're Jeff Gorton, if you, you want you actively want to lose, you might as well keep the incompetent coach behind the bench. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know how much of a different, like how much sense this is going to make. I mean, it can't really, I said it couldn't get worse. Oilers. It cannot get worse for Montreal. Like they are so dead last in the league right now, that this just can't get worse. And at that rate, like you said, you just want to lose. Like at that point, fine, shoot for that higher number in the draft. At least then you have a chance of getting a higher pick, but my God, I mean, Ducharme, I mean, he did, he did what he did, led them to Stanley cup last year or in the quarantine year, whatever it was, but Oh God. I mean, looking at their record is so abysmally sad. Eight thirty and seven. I just can't get over that number. Like we thought the Islanders was bad. And I know I was harping on you, Chris, for being an Islanders fan. <laughs> I know I was like, Ooh, wow. Yeah. Let's see if they make the playoffs, but this is just like almost painful. Like I don't like the Canadians, but it's still just so painful to look at a record like that. 
So I don't know. And like you said, when they said Deshaun would remain the coach for the rest of the season, now I'm like, well, all right. But what are you going to do? I mean, you're missing such key players on this team. You're missing Carey Price. You're missing everyone that makes this team what it is. So at this point, like, just lose. Just get the season over with, I think. I don't, I don't know what it's going to do to really try and push the rest of the season as opposed to taking it to kind of recuperate, rebuild, and then try again next year. Yeah. I mean, it was obvious that Ducharme was not going to be the long-term solution in Montreal. They did sign him to a three-year contract last summer. Then Mark Bergman got fired. And once Ken Hughes and Jeff Gortmer brought in, obviously this is not their guy. You're, you're now headmanning a team that's heading directly into like a full-scale rebuild. You're going to want to bring your own guy in. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I do get what you guys are saying about, you know, just keep him in there. You're literally actively trying to lose. But at the same time, when they announced then that Marty St. Louis was going to be the guy who was replacing Ducharme, I think that, I mean, that's an amazing hire. If you're looking in terms of, you know, he's only, they, they've said he's just interim coach for this year. We're going to see how things go. And then we're going to reevaluate at the end of the year. So, I mean, Marty St. Louis is coming in with literally, he has zero professional head coaching experience and he's coming in with zero expectations. Like this team, as you both have said, is garbage. They, they, there's absolutely no expectations whatsoever. But Marty St. Louis, he's a hockey Hall of Famer. He's a guy that is going to immediately command respect from every single player in that locker room. And by the way, if you did a little bit of snooping here, which I did, Marty St. Louis' son plays at Northeastern with Kent Hughes' kids. So, mm. you know, you wonder that there's probably a connection there. I know we were talking about the Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes connection from Boston. There's another connection right there as well. But um, and you want to bring it full circle bring it full circle Jeff Gordon got Marty St. Louis to the Rangers yes yes mm. so that's the full circle right there but um I don't know I mean Montreal the roster is obviously not that great right now I don't I think you know reading some things from Montreal writers Ducharme might have been a little bit over his head uh, at times this year which obviously the record would, would probably imply that but um I think you know the, the firing it is what it is I'm, I'm assuming when Jeff Gordon made that statement, Chris, that Ducharme is not going to get fired by the end of this season. I don't think he thought that the Canadians were going to be <laughs> this bad. I mean, how many games? He should have hoped won? that they were this bad. This is my point. How many games have they won since since Gordon got hired? They can't be more than like three or four. Not many. I mean, they've only won yeah. eight. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Logan Cooley, by the way, is his name. Okay. Number two, okay. Potential number two overall pick, American. We didn't get a world junior, so we have no idea who these people Yeah, are. I don't know who these yeah. I agree. The Marty St. Louis uh, whole connection where his kid is playing for Northeastern. And, yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. And um, when his kid was – I don't know. When when did the Rangers go to the Stanley Cup final? 2014? 20, 2014, yeah. Yeah, so his kid was probably 12 or 13 years old. He was playing here in Connecticut, just down the road from Quiggs' house, and uh, Marty St. Louis was the coach. And they renamed the team to the Junior Rangers. They were like the Junior Rangers <laughs> or something. I don't remember what they were, but uh, the Junior Rangers. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. And now he's—you don't usually see the Connecticut youth hockey to NHL pipeline uh, uh, flare up, but there it is for <laughs> <laughs> Marty Martin St. Louis. Um, but yeah, I mean, good luck to him. He seems like a good enough guy this is going to be a disaster. I mean, they're going to lose every single game they play and they're going to get one of these two guys. And that's great. I think that's great for them to get one in Arizona to get the other is good for both teams, but I don't know what you're expecting from this firing. I guess it's more my, my confusion and you're not going to get that much better because your team stinks and that it doesn't lie in the coach Dominic Ducharme 
wasn't the problem. Although he might have been a problem, wasn't the problem. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so just two more coach firings uh, this season. And we have a retirement to talk about, too. It's like this is like an end of the season podcast. but Yeah, it is. <laughs> we talked about Tuka Rask's attempted return from uh, injury, his hip injury. That did not go well. He got worked in one of the games, and he did well in the first one. He said his body responded well to that, but then after that, he just got absolutely pummeled. He sub nine hundred save percentage in a couple in a couple attempts, and he decides to hang him up. Uh, Jeremy Swayman will come back up for Providence to be the backup goalie. I was tooting the horn about this, and not to you know I don't want to Tukarask end his career this way, it, but this never made any sense to me why they went out and signed Linus Allmark if Tukarask was going to be healthy and ready by February. Uh, clearly, now it kind of makes more sense because he wasn't healthy and not ready, Tyler, and. It's over for him, a Hall of Fame career, maybe one of the best, one of, if not the best goalie in Bruins history and never got that cup ring as a starter, but was damn close twice. Yeah, you, you could say that. He was very close both times. And it, it is a shame for, for such a wonderful career to end like this. You know, normally in sports, you see guys that are, you know, venerated in their home cities and the, the rest of the, the collective, the, the market, the collective media, I guess is the word I'm trying to say, or fans throughout the rest of the league don't necessarily appreciate the guy as much, but I feel like Tuka Rask is maybe one of those scenarios where it's kind of the opposite. I think a lot of people in Boston, obviously a large portion of the fan base recognize him for the absolutely incredible goaltender that he was, but you said it, Chris, he never was able to get the Stanley cup as a starting goaltender. And I think a lot of people on in Boston unfairly held that against him too much. I mean, 308 and 165 as a starter, he had, won Vesna and he came in second or third, I believe a few years ago, the same year they made it to game seven, of the Stanley cup finals. And he was just such a consistent goaltender. You, you really knew what you were going to get from him, a 228 goals against average and a 921 save percentage throughout a 15 year career is absolutely fantastic. I mean, that, that's just shows right there, the level of consistency that he was able to, to provide for the Bruins. And uh, it is a shame. It would have been nice to see him, come back and be able to finish the season healthy and give the Bruins one last run for the Stanley cup. But I think now that his career is over and, you know, Bruins fans can look, look back at what he provided Boston. I think a lot more people will now come to recognize just how amazing of a goaltender he was. And yeah, you said it, Chris, he's, he's probably one of the, if not the best goalies in Bruins history. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like you said, I think he's one of those names that when you think hockey, there's like, especially right now, he's one of the few names that come to mind as just like top line. He's great at what he does. And it's always so sad seeing someone retire so prematurely. I mean, the fact that if he hadn't gotten injured, if he hadn't had to have had the surgery, how much longer would he be playing? How much better would he be now than he even was? Would he have had a shot at that ring as a first line goalie? I don't know. And it's sad that we'll never find out. And I know, Chris, you just said um, about him becoming a Hall of Famer or hanging his jersey or something, but I was reading something, and as of like five hours ago, an article came out where former Bruin and NHL analyst Mike Milbury says that he does not think they should hang Rask's number in the rafters, which I don't know. I personally, I would like to see his number retired. I think he did a lot for Boston. I think he did a lot for the city, the franchise. I think he's loved by so many people and so many players there that I'd like to see his number hung, but it's sad. I mean, it's always terrible to see someone go out with injury, especially someone who's been as consistent and as strong for this team as he has, but I wish him a happy retirement. And I don't know. I hope, I hope he's well, I hope he recovers well, mostly I hope his body is okay. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, I don't take anything Mike Milbury so seriously as I <laughs> watched him trade away. Well, I didn't watch it. I was before I was alive, but no, he traded away like every good draft pick uh, the team ever made, including Zidane Ochara, who's now a turnstile. He's back. So yeah, true. Back. At least you got him back, Chris. Man. <laughs> Perfect. Glass half right, right, circle. Right in his prime, too. At 44 years old. He has a that chance to set a record that's legitimately unbreakable. It's the longest time between goals with the same team. Beat the most unbreakable <laughs> record in history. But he yeah, hasn't scored No one yet. would ever break that. No. So, but he hasn't scored yet. So, I part of me wants it to go down that he didn't score on the one opportunity he got. He played 81 games or whatever and didn't score. It'd be hysterical, in my opinion. But Lord. he's got to get one. I feel like he'll, he'll get he'll lock in the one at one Lucky. point. Just sure. wrist one from the point. It hits like two defender skates. Goes in. <laughs> it, would, it would be it would be an incredible incredible record. Uh, Speaking of captains of the Boston Bruins, Patrice Bergeron got hurt in their game against Pittsburgh. Um, his status is unknown at this time. So we'll just kind of gloss over that and get to the bigger story from that game, which is his linemate, Brad Marchand, uh, who was uh, slowly becoming likable on Twitter for making fun of the Carolina Hurricanes and <laughs> talking about escrow and just funny stuff. And I actually found it quite amusing, although I'm not a fan of Brad Marchand. And then he went ballistic for some reason, and there was really no reason for it. The first thing he did was during – like the time between warmups in the first period, I think um, Tristan Jari was trying to flip a puck to a Penguins fan at TD Garden uh, and knocked it off his stick. Then Sydney, this is the best one. Sidney Crosby's stick broke on the faceoff, and he went full offensive lineman on Sidney Crosby, yeah. like just blocking him, trying to get from the bench. And then the one that made news and got him suspended for six games was when he punched and then like slapped with the stick uh, Tristan Jari after a, a whistle, six games for Brad Marchand. He's now foregone $1.4 million in fines and lost salary. Um, yeah, I mean, what else would you possibly expect from this man, Sam? Not much. I mean, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I don't know what else. I think that he's acting like a child. I don't understand. You're playing professional hockey. You are like, oh, God, you're a man. You are a man. Why are you acting like this? Like, what are you doing? Acting like an actual child, preventing a play, like a fan from getting a puck. Like what? That's just petty and rude. And I don't like that. There's a lot of things that just grind my gears, but that's something like that has nothing to do with the game. And that's like, I know I used to like rail on PK Subin for the way he acts on the ice. I was like, I am not a fan of anything you do, but I was like, at least he's decent off the ice. He's nice to the fans. What is that, Brad? What are you doing on a first name basis? That's just rude. I don't know. I wouldn't expect much from him. He's been suspended so many times. The only other person who's maybe been suspended more is like Nazem Kadri. Like I don't, and I don't, had, I love those. He broke Chris Pronger's record today. Wow. Um, most, wow. Most suspensions. I don't know about games suspended because that might be mm. Tom Wilson because he got the 20. Oh, so, uh, uh, Rafi Torres is probably up Rafi Torres got, or Sean like, Thornton. Sean yeah. Thornton got suspended for like half a season. Yeah, Rafi got most like individual games at one point. Yeah, in most individual suspensions, he now broke the record of Chris Pronger, which is incredible because Chris Pronger played for 50 years. He wow. Play for a long time. You know what? A record's a record. Good a record. job. But a Good record's you, a record. Brad. Good for you, Brad. But I don't know. I just am like, it's just, it's just frustrating. I mean, this comes what, like a little bit after he got suspended for slew footing Oliver Eckman Larson. Like, oh, that's that, right. I forgot man, about that. Right? Like, does this man want to play hockey or not? I don't know. Tyler, 
<laughs> yeah, awesome. I mean the 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 Crosby thing was that was that that was the funniest thing I've other than he, he did in the night, which he did a lot. Um, I guess you could kind of put that one under like gamesmanship or whatever. Like it's a, it's annoying. And of course it's Marshan doing it, but at the same time, I feel like if anyone on our teams was doing it, it'd be like, ha ha, look at that cross yeah. getting blocked <laughs> like an offensive lineman, but taking the puck, not, uh, not allowing Jared to give the puck to a fan. It's like, I agree. It's like, what are you doing? And then absolutely losing his mind. He went completely ballistic at the end of the game. I don't know. I, I looked like Jari might've said something to him when, after he covered the puck and that was what set Marshawn off but still you can't just punch the goalie in the head and then goes adamant and shoves the stick right in his face which I mean that's that's really dangerous we've seen sticks get you know stuck under mask and sticks can even go through the mask of a goaltender and that, that could cause a really serious injury so I think six games was a very good amount I think that you know that lays the law down and you know you got to protect the goalies 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 in NHL are kind of like quarterbacks in the NFL. Like you got to protect them. And I think that the NHL, the players, player safety department too, has seen so much backlash in the last like year. I think they, they probably knew down like, okay, listen, we, we might've messed up the Tom Wilson thing. Here's another repeat offender doing something that's just so obviously wrong. We have to, we have to, you know, draw a line here and we have to make a statement. And I, I thought six games was a pretty appropriate punishment. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And this was kind of the thing where, like, you know, the Bruins fan or the Capitals fan with Wilson or now the Rangers fan with Reeves will say, like, oh, well, you hate him because he's not on your team, but you love him if you're on yours. Like, I don't know that I would love a first-line player getting suspended for six games, three of which are against Carolina, the Rangers, and Colorado. Yeah. That's all, you know. Yeah. I, and there also, there's also something that, that goes with, like, just, like, the general character of a person. Like, yeah, I, I totally get the, oh – you only hate him because he's doing it against you. But if he was doing it for you, you'd love him. But I, I also want to cheer for good people and people who have good intentions. And sometimes I just get questioned what Brad Marchand is doing and why he's doing it. And it's just unnecessary. It's kind of like Brendan Lemieux with the Rangers. I mean, mm-hmm. at first when they had him, I was like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. But, you know, as he continually and continually gets suspended and does just stupid things, it's like there's a certain point where it's like, OK, you're on my team, but I, I don't necessarily want to cheer for you that much yeah I mean I like I like a good show on ice as much as the next gal like don't get me wrong I mean we're talking about another Bruins player with an awesome little record of a fun little show took a rest like let's not forget in the early days of his career the ever so famous milk crate video (laughs) of him just tossing the pucks on the ice or throwing the blade of his skate I mean like He's had his own troubles, but now, I mean, he's calmed down a lot in the last 10 years of his career, obviously going from Providence um, to now Bruins. But like, I mean, he had his own little rile, but I think when you're of the age of Brad Marchand, I don't know. I agree, Tyler. I want to root for good people on ice sometimes. I like a show, but I also want people to just play the game. I no, exactly, exactly. And this was a suspension that uh, was well-deserved. So, yeah, as I mentioned, he misses six games. Two of them are against Ottawa, but three of those three of them are against those first-place teams I just mentioned um, as the Bruins look to hold on to that last playoff spot. Um, we got to move other places here. Let's go Blackhawks next. Um, if you missed it, you can pause this, go back to last week, fast forward to about 19-ish minutes, and you can hear us discuss the Rocky Words situation. Okay, now you're up to date on the Rocky Words situation. Um, and it was an interesting one. And it was at a really interesting time, I think, too, because it's one of the few times Gary Bettman has to make a public appearance. We saw him earlier in the year with the Kyle Beach 
lawsuit and the Jenner and Block and the whole thing. We saw him and we ripped him for that. Uh, but there's only two times, three times in a usual year he'll come out uh, from hibernation. And that's the Winter Classic, the All-Star Game, and the Stanley Cup Final. Um, this happened right before the All-Star Game. So you knew he was going to get asked about it uh, by a million different media outlets. Mark Lazarus who was the guy who asked the first question. Um, he spoke with him. He was on ESPN, was Gary Bettman, uh, and then did a press conference. And basically he didn't say that like Rocky Wirtz did anything wrong. Like I think he acknowledged a little bit that like, he shouldn't have done that. But Sam, I left a lot. There was a lot left desired uh, from Gary Bettman's response to Rocky words, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't condemn it or anything at all. He literally was just like, we all have emotional outbursts sometimes. Sometimes we all get emotional and that gets the best of us. Huh? This man is like, <laughs> I, I know I texted the two of you that I was rewatching the press conference and I was like, this is just bananas. And like Gary Bettman, he obviously has not been uh, what we have desired him to be throughout this season, especially in response to all the different scandals within the Blackhawks organization. Um, but like, are, I don't understand how you cannot make some kind of like full-bodied comment when an official who is the face of an organization says we're not going to talk about this insane scandal that happened that literally ruined the lives of multiple players and like harmed them I don't understand how you can just be like we all get emotional and don't have good responses these people who are the face of an organization that you run so I don't know I think yeah there was so much left to be desired from his answer so much more than just saying we all get emotional sometimes because yeah, we do. But when you're dealing with something like this, when you're talking about these allegations that are so serious, wouldn't you want to actually take a stand and then have a response when someone who's supposed to be this professional figure responding to these incredible like allegations is immature and is making a bad name for things? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I was not a fan of the response from anyone. Yeah, it, it would have even been, better if he had like started with what he said which was yeah i mean oh everyone gets makes mistakes his heart was in the right place it was just a moment of frustration but then you know you say but still that that stuff like this can't be said he shouldn't have said that it it was dumb for him to say that but he didn't gary bettman didn't say anything like that he pretty much just served as an apologist for him the entire time and yeah i mean you both said it pretty well i don't want to just repeat what you guys were saying, but it would, it would have been nice to see him say something stronger. I think, you know, maybe deep down, we all kind of knew there wasn't going to be that strong of a response from Gary Bettman, but um, yeah, it, it, that organization is just, that organization's a mess right now. The other thing you have to think about is, you know, I hate this term and I, I hate when people say it and people say it about Goodell all the time, but Dan Snyder, especially Rocky words is Gary Bettman's boss. Um, and I, the reason I don't like that is because I think the commissioner kind of has a lot more power than maybe we give them credit for but that's a different conversation for a different day. But I think if I, and we don't know, you know, I wonder how it changes if an owner comes out and says something or an owner calls Gary and says, you know, and I, I I'm just going to use John Ledecky because he's the owner of my favorite team. If John Ledecky picks up the phone and calls Gary and says, look, dude, that was rough. And I know I'm new here, but like, like I don't like that like that you know whatever I wonder how it changes or maybe it would have taken a Dolan or you know um some other owners around the league 
you know, of higher uh, original six teams or whatever, you kind of expected him to say nothing because that's what he does. And that is his job too. Like I know we crush him for it, but that is his job to say nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I wish Rocky Wirtz had gotten fined because that was ridiculous. Um, in my opinion, this came shortly after all of that. So Gary didn't have to answer to it, but Emily Kaplan broke a story uh, just on Sunday about the Chicago Blackhawks firing longtime head athletic trainer of their AHL affiliate, which is the Rockford, Rockford Ice Hogs. Um, DJ Jones, his appointment was terminated in November. It, it was, you know, it was sexual harassment claims from 2014. They got him fired. They were reported on October 27th. He was fired on November 3rd. So if we hear about this on November 4th, Sam, I think we're all saying like, wow, that's not great that it happened, obviously, but good on the Blackhawks for creating a culture that allows people to say what they want to say. The fact that they hid this from us from three months is the is the concerning part. Well, yeah, you would have thought they learned their lesson hiding things after they tried to bury the Kyle Beach scandal for 10 years and then it blew up in the way that it did. And like I read the entire Jenner and Block legal report, like all 70 something pages. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was really bored. That's, that's a deep read. It was a deep read. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's gruesome. Like, oh my God. And the fact that multiple times it's outlined just the links that this organization allegedly went to, to bury it. I'll say allegedly because I'm not trying to get us in any legal trouble, but like <laughs> the links that are suspected, I guess, that this organization went to, to bury these things. If it, yeah, like you said, if it had come out on November 4th, I would say the same thing. I'd be like, you know what? People are coming forward. Good for the Blackhawks for now supporting survivors that are coming out in their organization. And they obviously they're learning their lesson. They're growing. But the fact that, again, like you said, they hid this for three months. I'm like, are you not learning? Are you not understanding? And I think it's fascinating that all this is coming out because what is it? Gary Bevan said uh, when he was talking about the discipline to Wirtz and the frustration, he said, quote, the most unfortunate thing about it is it's completely inconsistent with all the work the Blackhawks are doing. Are they? Is it? Are they? Because it doesn't seem like they're really doing a lot of work to better this organization when they've had such a fascinating history this year and the last 10 years yeah it's clearly clearly an organization organizational issue at this point and it's good that you know all this stuff is coming out and they're weeding it out of the organization and they're getting rid of it but yeah i mean it's, it reminds me of that uh the the scene in spongebob where the guy's like how many times do i have to teach you this lesson old man like it, <laughs> it, it makes me think of that it's like you just went through one of the worst scandals that a professional sporting team has gone through that, that I can remember in my lifetime. And you got absolutely crushed for it. I mean, and then, then you're going to go and do almost the same exact thing. I 100% agree and support with what you both said about if this had come out a few days after he had been relieved of his duties, it would have been like, okay, good. Like, look, this is proof that the process is working. Like there was a hotline that's established. Someone reported it. They put him on leave. They took a week or so to review it and they reviewed it and they decided that this obviously happened and they terminated his employment. Like that's, that's good. That's what should happen. But the fact that they hit it and now it's coming out, not on their terms, it's coming out. It makes it look like they were trying to hide something, which they were probably. It's just not, it's again, it's not a good look for the Blackhawks. It's, it's getting repetitive, just talking about the same exact things with this organization. And you hope that they can finally, maybe this time, 
understand that it's good to just let like let these things out and, and put it out in the open because if you don't put it out in the open and it ends up coming out even if it maybe wasn't your intention it looks and it comes across like you were trying to hide something and that is not what you want to do exactly and i think you know i mentioned it last week and this might just be my opinion but it seems like the kid danny Wirtz, has his head screwed on straight yes um throughout the whole Jenner and block press conference throughout trying to interrupt his dad and that tirade and with some of the other answers and quotes I've seen from him, it seems like he has his head screwed on straight. Rocky works does not clearly. Um, and my hope is that in the near future, Rocky Wirtz decides to give the organization to Danny, whether forced by the league or lawyers or whatever, or just at a chance. Um, my, that's my hope. Um, as, cause as we talked about last week, he was revered up until about a year ago um, for bringing this team taking this team from his dad too. That's kind of the irony of this. His dad was an owner who was a penny pincher and the games were on television. And yeah, we talked about it last week and um, he saved them and now his kids got to do the same thing. So uh, hopefully that, that works out for them. And this, this whole saga ends this year because I think it's bad for the NHL for an original six team to have this bad for any team to have this, honestly, for it to be an original six team in the second biggest market or third biggest market, whatever it is in the country. I think is not as, as bad as it gets to be perfectly honest. I think it's pretty, pretty bad. Um, speaking of pretty bad, the Arizona Coyotes are officially <laughs> playing. This is, I, we did it last week and we're doing it again this week. Evergreen, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Blackhawks, Coyotes. Officially playing at the Arizona State Arena. It was just announced as we were recording this podcast, 5,000 seats. You know what? Arizona State is making out gangbusters with this. The Fordham should try and get the Giants or the Yankees to play. <laughs> this is fantastic for Arizona State. They're getting free marketing for four years because their logos will be plastered all over the place. And on the Coyotes' dime, they're getting an NHL-level weight room, locker room, media um, accommodations, uh, trainer's room, like a whole like there's a whole annex, $20 million annex going on in the building. Uh, with all NHL level, NHL quality um, facilities. Arizona State is making out gangbusters. The Arizona Coyotes, however, are not, because now they're <laughs> yeah, double <-thumbed> down, <laughs> exactly, Tyler, because they, they are fronting the bill for the $20 million locker room, essentially, while attempting to pay for Tempe after having just not paid a hundred million what was it was it a million dollars or no it was a lot of money in unpaid taxes from glendale so this is a team that can't feel can't uh, uh fill an arena who is now paying for three different arenas at the same time sam i i it, i can't i can't make the math work in my head no the math is not mathing as one might say i just like uh, what? I mean, great for ASU. You said it in a text to me. I remember you were like, you know what? I just hope they get a student section at oh, that game. It's so great. That'd be so fun. I have a few friends at ASU and I'm sure they would love that. I mean, let's not talk about the students at ASU are getting quite the deal here. Are you kidding me? It's an NHL team on your property. I have a friend whose brother is like a top lineman at, um, at ASU on their hockey team. And I'm like, you know what? I bet he's very happy about this. He's going to be surrounded by NHL quality training trainers and players. So he's in a great position, but this makes no sense for the future of the coyotes. Maybe they'll be able to fill a 5,000 seat arena. I mean, if they can't, that's incredibly sad, but like, and it, it, like you said, makes no sense to be a team that can't fill an arena trying to pay for three 
arenas. This does not bode well for their future. And I don't even know what this, I can't even try and comprehend what this is going to look like in four years. Yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two things with this that I think are just so bad and, and so wrong. First off, I mean, absolutely no free agents are going to want to sign with this team. No one's going to, I mean, if you're being honest with the draftees, no one's going to want to get drafted there. No one's going to want to get traded there. Imagine if, I mean, we'll see if they end up getting number one pick this year, but they're going to stink for the next few years. Imagine if Connor Bedard ends up getting drafted by the Arizona Coyotes and has to play. This is a supposed generational talent. And he's got to play in front of a couple thousand people for two or three years. It's like, that's not what you want as the NHL. And it's also funny seeing this agreement get done coming off the heels of just a month ago, we had the NHL postponing games in Canada with teams that didn't have COVID issues because, you know, they couldn't lose out on the revenue. They, they couldn't play in front of empty stadiums. And now you're going to put an NHL team in front of 4,000, whatever. I, I, I mean, it's a 5,000 capacity arena right now. I think it's good. Seats are actually going to go down once they make the necessary NHL standards apply to the arena. I think it's going to be something like 3,500 seats. So you're going to play, you're going to put an NHL team in front of 3,500 people for three years. And yet you were just canceling games in Canada because you didn't want to play in front of no fans, but you're practically going to be playing in front of no fans now for three years with the whole franchise. It's just, eh, it's the most coyotes thing ever. It would only happen to the coyotes. (laughs) And I, I, the team should move. They're clearly not moving now for at least the next two or three years. And, uh, We'll see. It is crazy that an organization with literally no money is now paying for three arenas at once. It it, <laughs> it makes no sense. But uh, I yeah, I don't. I'm not too happy about this. I don't think many people should be happy about this. Besides ASU. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, well said. And the Austin Matthews contract uh, with Toronto expires while they're playing at ASU. So you can kiss the Matthews to Coyotes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. uh, pipe dream goodbye. Not that was a thing from before he got drafted. It was the Coyotes aren't going to win this draft lottery. Let's hope this guy goes to the Coyotes because he's from Arizona, of course. Um, that's oh, not going to happen now. Probably not going to, probably wasn't going to leave Toronto anyway. It wasn't going to happen anyway, but no, that was really not going to happen. That was really not going to happen. Um, it just, it, it, you know, I think Islanders fans are having some fun with this on Twitter because, um, you know, for the last three years, it's been, oh, they're back playing there. How many seats are there? 13,900. Oh, that's not a lot. Well, it's three times what the <laughs> <laughs> Well, they should have played the Coliseum. They, sh- they should be playing at the Toyota Center in Houston. We all know that, but they could yeah. be playing in a lot of different places um, that are in Arizona State. And again, amazing for Arizona State, amazing for their hockey program, which is a new, relatively new program. Uh, beyond happy for them. And their their men's team, and I think they have a women's team too, don't they? I think so. Yeah, I believe. I think so. they do have a women's team. Yeah, so beyond, so amazing for both of those programs. Um, but a disaster for the NHL and escrow has been a problem for these players. It's not going to get helped by a team only fielding four thousand seats. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's a disaster. And the next time, you know, the Vegas has to trade a player now because the salary cap isn't going up. You think it's going to go up when uh, losing ten thousand ticket sale like? It, this is a, just a disaster. Um, and Gary loves the, but Gary loves the coyotes. If they can't get, cause I don't think the Tempe arena deal. I don't think the Tempe arena deal is official yet. I don't think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it is either. So this, the is Arizona state thing is the only thing that's like official. Yeah. Yeah. I, so this isn't over too. Yeah, no, it's Tempe not. Could say, no, you're not coming here <laughs> so I don't know. 
don't know. Just it's never been over with the Coyotes. I feel like every time I've talked to the Coyotes, it's new. They're going bankrupt. They're getting a new ownership. They're getting a new arena. Now they're getting kicked out of the arena. It's it's never ending cycle with them. Never ending, indeed. They're ever present. Yeah. Um. We'll do rapid segment on the locals before we hit the Olympics. The Rangers are off. Adam Fox is coming back. The Devils won seven one and ended Dominic Ducharme's run as Montreal Canadiens coach and the Islanders scored the first five full five goals of the game last night and almost lost. Uh, they won six, three, it was five to three. It was looking a little dicey there, but six, three, one. So good win there. There's our local roundup because the only team that's relevant isn't playing. So um, <laughs> that's what we're going with. All right. Olympics, the men's won eight to nothing this morning over team China, Canada beat Germany five, one. So us is going to have to pull off a little upset over Canada to get uh, the number one spot in their group, obviously they don't need to, they just need to be Germany at this point, uh, and be able to, to get into the crossovers. So good win, good start. Uh, Drew Camesso with a shutout. Uh, he's probably going to be the backup to Strauss man for the rest of the tournament, but they play nice little softball here to get it, get things rolling for the men here. Ty. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, nothing win. I be honest, I didn't watch a second of it. Didn't see any of the highlights, but I mean, we talked, we talked about it before when we did a little Olympic segment, they were going to beat China. Canada is going to be a tough game, you know, might chalk that up to a loss. So the game against Germany, that's going to pretty much come, that's going to decide whether they advance past the group stage. And I mean, if Canada beat Germany 5-1, I know it's not, you know, the math doesn't work like that, but uh, I, I think I like the USA's chances against Germany. So hopefully they can upset Canada too. The ladies almost did it. So, so hopefully the men can do it. Yeah, you just mentioned the ladies team. I also did not watch a second of the men's game. I was I was in meetings this morning, so I didn't get a time. But the women's team, however, love the women's team. I oh, think yeah. that this is the biggest stage for women's hockey internationally, nationally, obviously. Sad to see the U.S. team lost. I know we love those girls, but they're coming back. I'm calling it. I mean, it's going to be a Canada-USA gold round. It has to be. And I, I want, of course, we want the U.S. to win. I'm calling it. I can see it. I can feel it. They outplayed Canada five on five. What they need to do is capitalize on power plays and then they'll be golden. God, the power play uh-huh. was still frustrating on Monday night. Oh my God. I felt like I was watching the Islander game. It was like, <laughs> oh my God. It's like they went one for six. Were, that that Canada goalie was outstanding. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was incredible. That was a heck of a hockey game. A heck of a hockey game. And 2018 gold medal game was one of the best games I've ever watched. Maybe one of the best games ever played. I mean, absolutely incredible game. They also couldn't score on the power play in that game too. Um, but yeah, that game Monday night, it was on late, but mm-hmm. that was an incredible, incredible game. And the women's game, you're right. This is the biggest stage. And I think over the past, I mean, obviously we weren't around in 1998, but over the past 10, 12, 16 years, like it's gotten faster. It's gotten stronger it's got like you can see just watching it the talent level has gotten significantly better over the past three four olympics and um they're on track to meet again as you mentioned and hopefully finland and and all these other teams you know they they, they do improve i would you know obviously you want to see the u.s win every year but you would like to see another team win a gold medal but as long as these two keep going at it this is the best rivalry in sports in my opinion at this time uh, it sucks to lose Brianna Decker, but I'm with you, Sam. Oh. We, we've got a good team, and I think I think they can win. It's it. It's a. It's on Thursday. I think it's a week from today. Gold medal game. So hopefully we we got to get there first. Got to win two more games. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they're looking good, the women and the men. So good start for U.S. Uh, Olympic 
if you guys want to watch the highlights, the Matty, I mean, the goal is irrelevant. It was like six nothing, but Matty Veneers tucked one underneath the bar that was pretty sweet on the power play today. Um, I had nothing to do. I was watching it at eight ten this morning. <laughs> um, I was like, "Ooh, you gotta watch more Olympics." I haven't watched any Olympics so far. I've been so behind on my Olympics game. I haven't watched a ton. I watched. There's a girl from Connecticut, more. from the same town, same town as Quigs, actually, hmm. who uh, did some snowboarding skate park thingy. I don't even know what it was called. But it was pretty cool. She came in second, won silver nice. for Connecticut. So that was fun. It's um, about it. And all the ho- I've watched a lot of hockey. Watched Franz Nielsen scoring the uh, penalty shot, which was nice. Brought me back. One of my favorite Islanders. He was a flag bearer for Denmark, and I lost my mind. I was like, wow. "Oh my god, it's Franz Nielsen!" <laughs> my friend was like, "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> oh, you used to play for the Islanders. She said, "Of course, I should have guessed." Um, but yeah, that's about all we got. It's uh, was a busy day, a busy week. So thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we gotta hit the road here. So have a nice weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I got the Bengals. Sam, Bengals. Ty. I got the Bengals too. You can't go against Joe Shiesty right now. Can't go against Joe Burrow, the man himself. Uh, so we are a Bengals podcast for this Sunday. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the hockey. We'll be back next week. Sam Borer, Tyler Mooney. I'm Chris Hennessy. Talk to you then.